0: To turn back to First Corinthians chapter four, I want to read the last line of verse five. And then shall every man have praise of God. Did it say that? Yes, it did. On Judgment Day shall every man, now that's not talking about any one but believers, but it's talking about every believer without exception. Then shall every man, every each, every individual believer. Have praise from God when the Lord comes on judgment day, then shall every believer have praise from God Himself. Now, that is an incredible thing to think about it, and if it wasn't written in here, we couldn't believe anything like that. But here we have it then shall every man. Have praise from God himself. If you're a believer, you're going to have the God of glory say to you personally, you're going to hear these words from him. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord. And I know somebody's thinking, how could that be? How in the world can that be? I see it's what the Bible says, but how can it be? Now, if you're a believer, you crave his approval. You know that's a part of love. If you love somebody, you crave their approval. If you love me, you want me to approve of you. And if I, uh, if you love me, I'll I want your approval. There's no one that's uh, empty of that, this thing of approval. And if you love the Lord, you crave his approval. Now, concerning his approval, his praise, I would like to have your approval. But if I don't have it, but have The Lord's approval, while I regret not having yours, it's okay if I have his approval. If you have his approval and you don't have mine, it's not going to hurt you much, is it, if you have his approval? Now, if I have your approval... And do not have his approval, what's your approval do for me? Really, nothing. And if you have his approval and don't have my approval, it's okay, isn't it? Every believer wants his approval. Turn with me for a moment to John chapter 12. Hold your finger there in 1 Corinthians and turn to John chapter 12. Verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But, well, there's a rough word. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were more concerned about men's approval than God's approval. It's what the scripture calls the lust of the eyes. You remember that scripture, all that's of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of this world. The lust of the eyes is where I'm more concerned about what you see than what God sees. Another word for it is the fear of man, being more concerned about men's thoughts, their approval of me, than God's approval of me. And the Lord said in John chapter 5, verse 44, how can you believe? Now listen to this question. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not that honor that cometh from God only? Now let's see what led Paul To make this statement, then shall every man, talking about every believer, personally, you're going to experience this. If you're a believer on judgment day, God is going to praise you. Now, what led Paul to make a statement like this? Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, Paul... Told the Corinthians, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what he was a servant of Christ, a slave of Christ, a steward of the great mysteries of the gospel. And here's the requirement moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's the one thing that's important, that he's faithful to his uh, commission as a steward of the mysteries of God. But with me, now look what he says here in verse 3. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Now, Paul had been judged. This is the Apostle Paul, and this is a true church. He called it the church of God that's in Christ Jesus. But many of the people in this church had an unfavorable view of Paul. He said in the ninth chapter of this same book, My answer to them that examined me is this. He had people examining him, questioning whether or not he was an apostle. They were critical of him, and I don't have any doubt that it hurt his feelings. I think there's I can feel his feelings being hurt when he says it's this very small thing that I be judged of you or man's judgment. He was accused by the Corinthians of using lightness and purposing things after the flesh. They said with regard to Paul, his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Oh, his letters are wavy and powerful, but look at him. He's contemptible looking. He's not a good speaker. We don't get anything out of his style of preaching. He said, I should have been commended of you And he says to this same church, the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now, he said that to a true church. And that is the state of this church at Corinth. And to be sure, the church of Corinth did not treat Paul as they should have. They were always questioning his apostleship. They were always questioning his power. Now, Paul is saying, if I am a minister of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God, and if I'm faithful to this, and you judge me, he says it's not really that big a deal if I am being faithful to my commission. If you judge me, if you criticize me, if you don't agree, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Paul says, in reality, look in verse 4, I judge not, no, verse 3, he says, I judge not myself. What do you mean by that? Well, in verse 4, he tells us, I know nothing by myself or against myself. Now, is he saying that I don't know of uh, any sin in my life? Is that what he's saying? I was listening to a preacher preach from this passage of Scripture, and he said, Paul's saying there's no known sin or allowed sin in my life. Um, Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about his faithfulness to his commission, as a minister of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God. And he says, as far as I know, I'm not compromising my uh, responsibility. I'm being a faithful steward and a minister of the mysteries of God. As far as I know, I'm not compromising. I'm not aware of anything wrong that I'm doing. I know nothing by myself, but yet, Am I not hereby justified? Just because I, I think that, that doesn't make it so. Well, I think I'm being faithful. Well, good, but that doesn't mean, Paul's saying, doesn't mean I am. My thoughts are not what is going to justify or condemn me. I'm not aware of being unfaithful, but it doesn't mean I'm not. Now look what he says. In verse 4, I know nothing by myself or against myself, yet am I not hereby justified? Well, I think I'm a doing a good job. Well, that doesn't matter whether you think that or not or whether I think that or not. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. His judgment is all that matters. Do you believe that? His judgment is all that matters. And his judgment in reality is all that is accurate. Therefore, verse 5, therefore, judge nothing before the time. He's talking about judgment day. Judge nothing before the time. Now, does that mean when I hear preaching, I shouldn't judge it to see whether it's according to the scriptures? You know it doesn't mean that. Every time I hear the gospel preached, I want to see if it's from the word of God. In that sense, I better judge, and you better judge. I'm not talking about having a critical attitude or a critical uh, spirit, but I'm talking about when I hear somebody preach, I'm seeing is what he's teaching from the word of God. Is it the truth of the scriptures? So you better judge in that sense. And when it says... Judge nothing before the time, it doesn't mean you don't have an opinion about what's right and wrong. Of course you have an opinion of what's right and wrong from the scriptures. You better, you stand for what the scripture teaches. It doesn't mean don't judge anybody uh, in the sense of you shouldn't have a, a, a judgment concerning what's right and wrong. Of course you do. Well, what is he saying? Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God now when he's saying this is he saying on judgment day god's going to expose all the sins men have done in secrecy and the hidden things they've done in darkness That's not going to happen to a believer on Judgment Day. I'm justified. I stand before God without guilt. What that is saying is, until Judgment Day, you can't look into my heart and know what my motive is. I can't look into your heart and know what your motive is. You can't really tell what is driving me. You can't really tell what my desire is. And I can't really tell what your desire is. I can get an idea of it. And you can get an idea of me, but when it comes to really knowing what's going on, the the motives, the hidden counsels of the heart. If what I was doing was out of love for Christ and not trying to promote myself, that's not going to be brought out until Judgment Day. That's the only time anyone will be able to see anything like that. God's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness, the counsels of the heart, it's going to be brought out on Judgment Day with regard to every believer My motive was the glory of Christ. That's going to be said of every believer. My motive was the glory of Christ. I did what I did because I loved him. There was a genuine love to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what caused all that. But you and I can't see that right now. I mean, you can, uh, if you're listening to me preach, I'm sure that you hope, I sure hope I'm that way. and, And perhaps to some extent believe I'm that way, but you can't see everything. And I can't see everything. We are incompetent to make any kind of judgment. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. On judgment day, it'll be seen whether or not I was really serving Christ. Whether my motive was his glory. Or whether I was promoting myself or or a professional preacher doing this for a living. It'll be seen. And the same thing will be seen of you. Everyone will be seen for what they are on Judgment Day. And every believer, without exception, on that day will have praise of God. This is not talking about their sins being brought up and their bad motives being brought up, because you got plenty of them and I got plenty of them. There's no question about that. But that's not what that's talking about. That's talking about these hidden things that we can't see. They're going to be seen then. And it's all going to be good. It's not going to be like I'm going to be exposed as having bad motives and evil intentions. And and the bad things I've done are going to be brought up on judgment day. If that's the case, what's salvation? Salvation is being saved from your sin. It's It's being justified before God's sight. It's standing without guilt before God's sight. And this is going to be said of every believer. Their motive was the glory of Christ. They did what they did because they, in their hearts, loved Jesus Christ. Paul says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. You know, didn't the Lord say? Now, like, uh, wonder what his motive was in doing that. You don't know. I hate it when I try to judge somebody's motive it's evil, it's wrong. Judge nothing before the time. The Lord said, judge not. That you be not judged. Paul said let us not not judge one another anymore. I love that scripture. You know something that ought to be before my mind and your mind all the time? With regard to judging. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art the judges. For you the judges doest the same things. So with regard to this thing of judging one another. Let's not judge one another anymore. Judge not. That you be not judged. For with the same judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it'll meet meet it out to you again. Now, that doesn't mean if I have a judgmental attitude toward you and I judge you, then God's going to judge me and condemn me. That's really not what it's talking about. Judging is a horrible thing. It's wicked. Every one of us are filled with it. And it's wrong on every level. But that's not saying... if. I judge you, then I'm going to hell. It's saying, if I judge you and you perceive that, you're going to bring it back at me all the more harshly. And you're going to judge me and you're going to criticize me and you're going to see every fault, every wart. You're going to, I mean, it's, it's all there. That's what happens when we judge one another. So he says, judge nothing before the time into the Lord come. And he will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, the desire, the motives of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now what a remarkable statement. And this is true of every believer without exception. This is not talking about some special group that are going to have praise and Others won't. That's just a a misunderstanding of the gospel. Then shall every man have praise of God. Now, my question is, how? It says every man. Talking about every believer. If you're a believer, you're going to hear the God of glory praise you. How can that be? And notice he doesn't say some will have God's praise. It says then shall every man, every believer, every believer is going to have praise from God, each individual. Now, if you're somebody that Christ died for, somebody who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will praise you. I repeat, we wouldn't believe that were it not written. But here it's written, with regard to every believer, God will praise you. And when he praises, it's not flattery. You know, a lot of times when we praise people, it's flattery. Trying to butter somebody up to get something out of them. And, it, it's, and you usually know it when you're being manipulated and flattered. But uh, quite often among human beings, praise is nothing more than flattery. God doesn't flatter when he praises you, it'll be sincerely because you deserve to be praised by God himself. I repeat, how can that be? On judgment day, when all are seen to be what they really are. I love that passage of scripture in Revelation twenty-two, eleven. He that's unjust, let him be unjust still. If you die unjust, you'll spend eternity unjust. He that's filthy, let him be filthy still. How you die, you will spend eternity. He that's righteous, let him be righteous still. Every believer will be spending eternity as utterly righteous before God. He that's holy, Let him be holy still. Now that is the description of every believer, righteous and holy. And God is going to praise everyone who is righteous and holy. What we are will be seen clearly on that day. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation, the 19th chapter. Verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and His wife, the church, every believer. If you're a believer, you're included in this. His wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted graciously given, graciously bestowed that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of Christ imputed to the saints. Doesn't say that, does it? It is the righteousness of Christ imputed to the saints. But what does this scripture say? It's the righteousness of the saints. Their actual personal possession of righteousness before God. I've even heard people say, well, this is talking about the righteous deeds of the saints. (laughs) You got any deeds that are fine, linen, clean, and white? Would any of your deeds pass the test? Why, no. But this is the righteousness of Christ, which is nothing else than the personal righteousness of the saints. God is going to praise everyone who is righteous. The Lord tells us in the parable of the wheat and tares that after the um, tares are removed and cast into the fire, the Lord says concerning the wheat, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Do you hear that? The righteous, that's every believer. I'm going to shine like the sun. In the kingdom of my Father. That refers to every single believer. That's why God is going to praise you. <laughs> this is the great mystery of the gospel. Christ makes us what we are with no help from us and then rewards us as having done it. <laughs> Let me repeat that God makes us what we are. I'm no self made man in any respect. God makes us what we are through the gospel and then rewards us as as us having done it. On judgment day, God will praise us for literally being what he made us to be. He will praise us for his work in us and then he praises us for it. Then, shall every man have praise of God. Turn with me in Hebrews chapter 13. I'd like you to look at these verses with me. Verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you Perfect. That's what he does. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you. That which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He works in you. That which is well-pleasing in his sight. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't have an apathetic attitude about the gospel of Christ. Don't be indifferent about the gospel of Christ. You give every effort, every fiber of your being to working out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Don't have some kind of laissez-faire attitude. Don't have some kind of indifferent, fatalistic attitude. You work out. Work out what God's worked in. But look what he says next. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, if that part of that verse wasn't in there, it scare me to death. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but thank God for this, for it's God that worketh. Oh, how powerfully he works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen to this statement by the Apostle Paul. By the grace of God, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What are you, Paul? Well, according to the Scriptures, I'm holy, I'm unblameable, and I'm unreprovable. In his sight. Colossians 1.22. 20, 1, I'm holy. I'm unblameable. I'm unreprovable In his sight. Maybe not in your sight, but his sight. And his sight is the count, is the sight that counts, isn't it? How he sees things is how they really are. You and I never see, well, as long as we're walking on this planet, we're never going to see things as they really are. I mean, we're walking through a, we see through a glass darkly. I mean, it's, we're in a fog, but he sees very clearly. And by the grace of God, I am holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You see, that's what the cross accomplished. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ put my sin so much away and gave his righteousness so much to me that I literally am. This isn't some kind of... Um, Forensic term, or uh, I am wholly unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Turn to First John Chapter four. Verse seventeen. Herein Is our love made perfect that we may have boldness, confidence in the day of judgment? Now, what in the world would give you confidence? I I mean a well-grounded confidence. So you can stand before God, the God of glory and judgment, and, and, and have boldness. Well, here's the answer. Because as He is, so are we in this world. How is He? Does He deserve the praise of God? Will He have the praise of God? Does the Father look at Him and He's, oh, He's so pleased with Him. He's pleased with everything about Him. He's altogether lovely to the Father as He is. So are we, right now, in this world. Now, if that's so, and it is, I can have boldness on the day of judgment. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Now, I wish we would listen to what this is saying. Um, That man that considers himself a natural Jew, he's not a Jew. That man who has been circumcised, this proves I'm a Jew, he's not a Jew. Now just get that down. That the whole, the nation of Israel, uh, they're not Jews. They're not Jews. Well, who are the Jews? But he is a Jew, verse 29, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. God praises the true Jew. You see, it's his work. That's why he praises. It's his work. He's pleased with what he has done. Every believer will be rewarded and praised on judgment day as having never sinned. Look at his perfection. I praise this man. I praise this woman. They never sinned. Now understand this about justification. I think it's, it's so sad when people present justification almost like it's a piece of paper that gives you this legal standing before God. Uh, you're, you're justified, but not really. Uh, you're still, no. Every believer will stand before God on judgment day as having never committed a sin, as having always done that which is pleasing to God. And they will have God's praise. I'm going to hear him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now can I get my head wrapped around that? No. Do I believe it? With all my heart. Because the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, is so much mine. I know God will praise him for that, but his life is mine. And that makes every believer praise worthy. Oh, we ought to have a we do have a great Reason to rejoice in the thought of judgment. Now, when we're getting ready to um, take the Lord's table, when we take that bread and drink that wine, which represents the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a celebration. I'm celebrating the fact. The fact that I stand before God justified, without guilt, and I'm going to have the praise of God himself. And we take that by faith. Who's to take the Lord's table? Everybody who believes. If you believe the gospel, if you believe that what Jesus Christ did is enough to make you praiseworthy before God himself, and you're relying on him, the Lord's table is for you. Uh, Do you fence the tables? No, the gospel does. But as far as some man deciding, well, I don't think they ought to take the Lord's table. They're not living. That's such an abuse of the Lord's table. It's for everyone who believes. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the gospel that makes us actually praiseworthy in thy sight. And Lord, we confess from the depths of our hearts, we know it is all thy son. How we thank you for having his righteousness. How You think we thank you that you're called the Lord, our righteousness. For Lord, indeed, you are our righteousness. And how we praise you and thank you That what we've just considered is so, through the great mystery of the death of thy son, what he accomplished. And Lord, enable us as we take the bread and wine to do this in remembrance of thy dear son. In his name we pray.